right, everybody. Welcome back to the Slapshot Sammy podcast. My name is Sam Nestler. I am your host. I'm joined today again by my man, Warren Nielsen from Portland, Oregon. Warren, what's going on, man? What's up, dude? Spring has sprung. Just enjoying some warm weather. And oh, I can't get the ESPN NHL song out of my head. <laughs> We, we could throw it in as the intro, but we're going to get hit with copyright now that we're official on Spotify. So uh, we're not going to do that. But for those of you, you won't see this video, but me and Warren are for the first time able to see each other right now on video. So if you hear some giggling, it's probably because Warren's making a dumb face or something like that. So just ignore the uh, the goofiness on that end. But we got some fun stuff today. Uh, we're going to finally d- deep dive into some college hockey now that this ridiculous season is almost over and we're into the conference tournaments. Um, I'm sure there's still plenty of surprises to come in college with everything that's going on teams canceling their seasons last minute, but we'll deep dive into that. And then we got some cool topics going back into the NHL to finish it off before we jump into another rapid fire questions for Warren Nielsen. So let's jump right in, uh, college hockey. So conference tournaments started this past week, uh, and this weekend going on right now, as we speak, the, the interesting thing that we talked about, I think we talked about it in one of the first episodes, is the college season has been even more dramatically different than the NHL has been because colleges are getting hit so hard with with COVID situations. They're getting hit hard with, with uh, actual illness, but they're also getting schools are super strict on their rules. So if there's any kind of violation of any kind, they could completely shut down the team's season, uh, which has happened for a few teams. So Let's jump in. What I want to do is talk uh, each conference real quick, kind of give some predictions for who's going to come out of it. And then next week, we'll talk the day of the selection show and we'll kind of pick our bracket a little bit. Um, But let's just focus on conference tournaments here. So let's start off with the Big Ten. Um, Big Ten was an interesting one all season with Minnesota was number one in the in the college rankings for like 90 percent of this whole season. Uh, until they got swept by Wisconsin, and then Wisconsin went on a huge roll. So Wisconsin clinched the regular season title last weekend. Minnesota is number two, so Wisconsin gets the bye, and Big Ten is a one-game play or a one-game elimination uh, that started a couple hours ago this morning. So the only game that has happened, so we can predict this one pretty accurately. Uh, number four Notre Dame versus number five Penn State was this morning. One of the more wild games I've seen. Uh, Notre Dame swept Penn State last weekend in their last couple games of the regular season. And then today, Notre Dame had the first nine shots of the game, and it was 2 nothing before I was even finished brushing my teeth. Uh, but then Penn State comes out and scores five straight to go up 5-2, and it ends up winning that game 6-3. to So the upset for Penn State with crazy amount of people out with COVID, they were almost not able to play. Half their season wasn't uh, was canceled, so... Big win for them. So that game's already over. So number five, Penn State is advancing. The other two games, Minnesota, number two against seven, Michigan State. That's going on right now. And then number three, Michigan versus number six, Ohio State. So Warren, I want to ask you, what are your, just give me your general picks for those games and anything you're looking out for in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, Minnesota is obviously a powerhouse. I think they, they were a little rocky a few weekends ago against Michigan, but I mean, what do they got? They got like 12 NHL draft picks, something like that. And they're always a stacked club, well coached. Um, I, th- I think you know coming out, we'll see Minnesota or Wisconsin. Wisconsin's got I think ten draft picks in there. Been a solid club, obviously number one for a reason. Uh, but it's such a yeah, it's crazy here this year with the COVID kind of restrictions, and any team can drop out if anything bad happens. Uh, but I think that 
keep an eye on that Michigan Ohio State game, the Yost Ice Arena. I don't know if anyone's ever been there, but it's like one of the coolest hockey venues ever. Like seeing a game there, and um, you know, check out some YouTube videos. The fans there, are next level when they are there. Uh, unfortunately, not this year, but that Michigan Ohio State. There's no love loss between those two programs. So I think I think we'll see Minnesota Wisconsin. You know, those hot top seeds come out on top, but it should be a really fun storyline to follow. Yeah, I agree. I think that the Ohio State game is is one to watch. Um, Ohio State's had a tough year, though. So as much as they are kind of a game to watch, the I've watched some of their series, and they have gotten beat up pretty bad by Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, though. Anything can happen. I mean, I, I watched one of the one of the conference quarterfinals in a, in a different conference, and the shots were 41-8, to eight, and the game was 1-1 one one in the third period. So you get a hot goalie or you get someone, something going for you. They scored their only goal uh, from center ice. So you never know what's going to happen. Um, so just keep an eye on, but I, I agree. I think Minnesota beats Michigan state. I think Michigan beats Ohio state. And then uh, eventually it comes down to the Minnesota, Wisconsin um, game at the end. I am going to go out and pick the Gophers to beat Wisconsin, but I'm going to put a little bit of an asterisk on that. LaFontaine for Minnesota, the goalie is going to have to stand on his head to win that game because mm-hmm. Wisconsin's offense is absolutely incredible. Cole Caulfield just scores every time he touches the puck, it seems. Um, and so he's going to have to have 40 saves in order to win that game. And I think he will. I think he's, um, he's a finalist for the Mike Richter award for a reason. And I think he's going to have a solid game for them and they need it because they need some better seating in the conference tournament. Uh, I mean, in the national tournament, cause they've had some struggles the last few weeks that might bump them down a little bit. And that could be the difference between playing a, a really big team and someone they can maybe get an, an easier first round game. So I'm going with the Gophers beating Wisconsin three to two in that conference championship. Let's jump into Atlantic hockey, a little less known uh, to a lot of, a lot of people, but AIC has been the powerhouse all year. They've basically run the ship the entire time. Um, this one's a little interesting. So just going into a lot of these, some of the, first of all, they reseed in almost every one of these conference tournaments, which usually is not that hard to figure out what's going to happen, but you also have teams that are DQ'd for COVID in the middle of the tournament and things like that. So it's been really complicated to, to predict. So I'm going with the most likely matchup here. Um, Robert Morris still has to play their game, but they're playing a team that they should probably beat. So I'm going to go with, with Robert Morris advancing here just for the sake of our predictions. Uh, but the game that is already set is AIC versus Canisius. And then number two, Army, who's an interesting team to watch out for, um, against three, Robert Morris. So I'm picking AIC um, against Army. Robert Morris, I think, is a very uh, casual three seed, if that makes any sense. Um, so who who would you get, though, Warren? If it's AIC versus Army, one, two, and that, who do you pick uh, coming out of it? Got the AIC, AIC Yellow Jackets, number one seed. Yellow Jackets, all Big right. Big Jackets fan. <laughs> you think I know I know it's tough to tell, but do you think anyone else gets a gets a at large bid from the Atlantic hockey? It's hard to say. I think Robert Morris is decent. Um I really I haven't seen too much hockey. I and that Big Ten conference is just unreal. So, you know, put those together. It's so hard to tell this year without, you know, the inter kind of conference play as much as usual. So I, I, I see Big Ten and Hockey East being more dominant uh with the whole, you know frozen four kind of tournament but certainly we'll see how the tournament goes and how the atlantic hockey playoffs go out yeah absolutely it's it's always tough to tell but it seems to be every year that the at-large bids come from the big 10 
the Hockey East and the NCHC. So it's hard to to get those as a lower uh, lower bid. But let's jump into the Hockey East here. So we'll go, we'll go through the uh, the matchups real quick, and then we'll pick them. We'll pick them real quick and roll through here. Um, I think they're generally going to be pretty pretty obvious. Um, this conference has has not been the the most um, you know, controversial this year. It's been pretty much run by two teams. So we got number eight, Boston college against number, uh, eight or sorry, number one, Boston college against number eight, UNH. We have two is BU versus UMass Lowell. Three is UMass versus Northeastern Four Yukon versus Providence. So Warren, why don't you go ahead and give me your picks, uh, on the one, two, three, four there. I think BU, I'm going to put BU, um, winning this, they just got such a good culture for winning these kind of things. Um, I think they just kind of had a little more adversity throughout the season and, and overcame it. Um, I'm just saying that I have no idea really, <laughs> but it, I think it's one of those Boston teams just with their history coaching and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the, the one thing I think too, I agree BC versus BU in the final, I think, but I think that those bottom games will be fun to watch because those are more, yeah. like I said, BU and BC have run this the whole time. BC has been number one, uh, in the, in the country for a lot of the season as well. Um, when Minnesota hasn't been up there and it'll be interesting to see, but I think the UMass Northeastern and UConn Providence, UConn kind of snuck in, um, upset a couple teams and got their way into the quarterfinals. So I'm hoping for some good games in the bottom there. Um, you know, always hoping for good games in all of it, but I think that the, the number one and two seeds will survive. And I think, I think BU will actually upset BC. Uh, I think they have a stronger team overall and BC might come in a little bit too confident in this tournament. Uh, but we'll see there. So ECAC, uh, this is one of the one of the more unique ones. We had two different teams get disqualified in this conference tournament already. Clarkson was the number two seed. Uh, they had COVID violations in their school and their school shut down their entire program heading into this conference tournament, which is heartbreaking. I can't imagine that. Um, that's two seasons in a row now that teams that they were not able to play their conference tournaments. So that's tough to do. Um, so Clarkson is knocked out. So instead of it was originally Quinnipiac and Colgate, Clarkson, St. Lawrence. Now it's going to be Quinnipiac with a bye and St. Lawrence versus Colgate. St. Lawrence is a team that usually is the, I don't know how to say it nicely, but usually gets run over decently in this conference. Um, they're usually the team that always finds a way to, to lose to these other names and the Colgates and the Quinnipiacs. But if you're to pick anybody in this group, Quinnipiac's been been the the dominant force for most of the conference year. But do you see any upsets coming in this one? Honestly, with, with Clarkson out, I don't know. I think it's hard to argue against Quinnipiac. I, I agree. I think the gate Colgate, you know, mix things up a little bit. I would have picked Clarkson to kind of upset and shake it up against Quinnipiac, but I, I'm going to go with the Bobcats. Yeah, fun fact here. If you guys have listened to to any of my podcasts or even talked to me, you know how much I hate the Nashville Predators uniforms and their disgusting <laughs> yellow. For some reason, I love Quinnipiacs, and it's the exact same yellow. But I don't know if their logo is just cooler, but they have the same colors, and I love their uniforms. And for some reason, the Predators just did something that didn't work. So Nashville, take a look at Quinnipiac and figure out what the difference is there and, and make your uniforms a little bit better. But... All right, let's jump into the final two here. So um, the WCHA is actually not a one game. That's a three-game series or best of three series, uh, at least for the first round. I, I think the, the finals are also as well. Um, but as of right now, we have all kinds of questions. So basically, just going to pick who comes out of this conference. I'm not going to go into every matchup. Um, but we still have Bowling Green versus Northern Michigan uh, in the 
in the game three. The rest of the semifinal play teams are set. So that'll be the last team uh, that comes in there. Bowling Green just won five nothing game two. Northern Michigan won, I believe it was like six to two in game one. So who the heck knows what's going to happen in this third game? Um, but I think I think Minnesota State's been a dominant team. Uh, Lake Superior is the number two seed, and they, I just don't think they're on the same level. Um, so I'm going to go with with Minnesota State coming out of this conference tournament, and I I don't think anyone's going to get an at large bid from here. Um, but if anybody, Lake Superior has some good at a conference, um, you know, history. So we'll see what happens in that. But that one's pretty pretty self explanatory. And again, not going to get too far into it because there's so many things that can happen with how it's set up. So. Minnesota State coming out of the WCHA. Last but not least, jumping into the NCHC. Fun fact for you, Warren. I didn't know this until yesterday. The NCHC has four straight national champions. Didn't know that. So Duluth won one. St. Cloud or uh, North Dakota won one. I think Denver won three years ago with uh, with Montgomery before he jumped to to the Stars. Um, And then I believe it was Duluth again, if I remember correctly. So the four straight. Uh, so we'll see if they're able to do it again. They have, I think they have four of the top 10 teams right now in the country. Um, so probably going to get a bunch of at-large bids depending on who comes out of this. But first, so the, the semifinals are set now after the quarterfinals were the last two days. Uh, we have number one, North Dakota versus number five, Denver. Denver pulled the upset uh, against number four last night. Then we have two, St. Cloud State versus Duluth. So the Duluth game uh, is something I want to briefly discuss. Duluth-Western Michigan, one of the better college hockey games I've watched all season. It was back and forth the entire time. Every time somebody came down and took the lead, the other team would come back and tie it. And then finally, Duluth took the lead late uh, after it was going to be over. And then Western Michigan scores with, I believe, 22 seconds left uh, to tie it. Super exciting. They go to overtime. And... Western Michigan has a bunch of chances. They're looking good. They basically, this, this game was if whoever lost was not going to make the tournament, that was kind of the way it, it seemed. So it was a huge game. Um, now the winner you think would be in, even if they don't make it further, Western Michigan, they go to face off in their own zone. The ref drops the puck and something just looked weird about the drop. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. Duluth gets the puck back and shoots and scores from the point. They go back and all the coaches are screaming and I can't figure out what's going on. And the announcers are trying to figure out, they show the replay. The, the puck never hit the ice on the faceoff drop. Wow. The puck hit the glove of the Minnesota Duluth player, dropped it right on top of his glove. So Duluth controls the faceoff and wins the game. That play is non-reviewable. So they weren't able to do anything. So how would you feel, Warren? Just put me, put yourself in those shoes. If you're the team that not only is this your conference tournament, but your season so let's say you're a senior on that Western Michigan team. How do you even control your emotions after losing a game in that form? Yeah, I, I mean, I could hardly put myself in shoes playing, you know, college sports. It's obviously just heartbreaking anytime, you know, you lose a game, especially when you have a chance to win. And especially when it's on the you know verge of getting into the playoffs. So just a t- terrible break, I think, for Western Michigan, especially something that's non-reviewable and after all they had to deal with, you know, probably not even playing last year and finally getting the shot. Uh, so I, you know, heart goes out to those guys, but we'll see, you know, hopefully Duluth can do something with it, you know, getting a win like that. But I doubt it. Like you said, I think North Dakota, St. Cloud state are such powerhouses, North Dakota with a few first round draft picks and 
um, you know, just really strong history too. So we'll see. I think this is probably, uh, this is my favorite one to, besides the uh, big 10. I think I'm excited to see what comes out of the NCHC. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting one where you kind of question, like you said, you hope they can do something with it, but you wonder there could be the two sides to it. Sometimes a Stanley cup win needs some bounces like that, but sometimes the puck doesn't lie and you lose because you didn't deserve to be there or something like that. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to them against St. Cloud state. Uh, North Dakota runs away with this one in my mind. They're just, they've been one of those teams. That's kind of like the, you know, Duke and lacrosse when they were so good um, or like the Alabama where it's just like, Oh yeah, there's just still number one and still winning every game. Yeah. Nobody really cares cause they're going to win. Um, that's what they've <laughs> been like the last few years and especially this season. So, but Denver had a big upset, um, in overtime. So, be, or sorry, they won right at the end, last couple of minutes in their quarterfinal game. So it will definitely be interesting. Uh, those games are on, I believe CBS sports. So you'd be able to watch them on kind of national TV. Um, they make it so complicated to follow college hockey now. Um, I wish it would hopefully maybe we'll get some kind of deal like the NHL did and they'll be able to put it on one platform. But for now, it's like you can pick a conference and that's what you can watch. Otherwise, you have to pay for each conference individually. It's just it's wild. So interesting to see. Exciting to see. Uh, we'll see what happens with the games today with the Big Ten and then going forward, kind of what happens with that Frozen Four. But super excited for that. That turn be super fun um the selection shows next sunday so we'll talk next week on our podcast about who we think is gonna make the tournament uh which is just a wild guess for the most part um and then we'll we'll kind of watch that tournament when warren comes and visits and we're hanging in nashville watching some college hockey we'll see what happens uh, going forward there but let's jump back into the nhl uh, i want to start with uh, the Florida Panthers. So I think if we were to pick one name that's been mentioned the most in this podcast, it's Sergei Borovsky. And it's because he's one of the most interesting players in the NHL. He's getting paid an incredible amount of money, signed one of the biggest goalie deals in history with the Florida Panthers. He was a, let's not forget, he, I don't remember if he won the Vesna, but he was a Vesna finalist and he won it twice. There you go. Yeah, so I think he, he, he was a, twice. He was a Vesna finalist a ton of times. He won it a couple of times with the Blue Jackets. He was an incredible goalie. So he deserved that money. It's not like it was it was not deserved, but he has been so mediocre since then. And, you know, he's been known so much as the guy who works harder than everybody else. He's the first one on the ice, last one off the ice. He works hard in the weight room. That's what they always talk about. But at some point, you have to stop the puck. And if you're to take a look at his stats, he's just barely scratching a 900 save percentage this season. He's given up over three goals a game. Yet you look at his record and he's 10-2-2. and which is, I think is the best record of any goalie in the NHL. So the question is, are, are his, is his team getting him out of the hot seat here? Are the, are the Panthers keeping him out of hot water by winning those games? I mean, you just look at the Panthers franchise. I mean, obviously, you know, they, they're stacked in the back. They got Yandel. Um, they've got, you know, Barkov, good two-way player. And they're, they're having the year that everyone's kind of like, oh, is this the breakout season? I think it is for the Panthers. You know, they're leading that kind of stronger division in the in the central area. But I just, you know, I see, I look at back when he won his Vezina trophies, 2012 with the Blue Jackets, I think. And then um, again in 2016, 2017 with the Blue Jackets. And, he you know, he's with teams that aren't like staunch defensive teams, you know. Like he's, his goals against average then were above two. It was like plentiful, you know, and it's his save percentages. I mean, they were like nine thirty. like he had pretty remarkable save percentage, but I, I think it's a balance. I think he is living up to the hype and 
and he is a, obviously an awesome goalie. You know, there's not many guys still in NHL that have played and won two Vezinas. So I think it's just cool to see, you know, you really hope a guy lives up to his potential. And I think that's part of it, but certainly I think the Panthers are playing behind them and they wouldn't be in the, the place they are if they weren't, you know, so well, hopefully they can keep going. You know, it's, it's, I think they're a favorite to come out of that conference now. Um, I guess they always kind of were, but I think especially now that them and the lightning are going to be vying for those top two spots. I think it's hard to go past the lightning, but I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I think that the he's winning games, so it's hard to argue. Um, but I want to go ahead and just say that the Panthers have 10 wins after giving up the first goal and four multi goal comebacks. Latest, most latest is the three goal comeback in the third against Columbus when they were trailing four to one. It brings me right back to the Stars game a couple weeks ago when they were down two nothing. The entire game looked like they weren't even there. The Stars were going to roll for a win and they score three goals in three minutes and win in regulation. So they've been nicknamed the comeback cats this season that can hide a goalie's bad play. You know, if you're, if a goalie's given up three goals a game, but you're scoring four, you're going to win those games. It's simple math. So whether inside the organization, they're as excited about Bobrovsky as other people are by looking at his record. That's, that's hard to know because they might see a lot more than we do about how his play is. If he's given up three goals a game, it's tough to give up three goals a game and win, especially when you get to the playoffs. You can't count on, although the Stars counted on their ridiculous comebacks last year all the way to the final, but you can't always count on that. You can't be like, all right, we're going to be this team that gives up the first goal every game and comes back because eventually your luck's going to run out just like it did for the Stars last year. So um, it's an interesting topic, though, with them. Uh, I want to ask you, though, what are the keys to a comeback? Because you were an athlete your whole life. You played college sports. We played lacrosse together. We've played hockey together. What's the art of a comeback? What do you need to be not just to make a comeback one time? I'm talking about the teams that are that are able to not get down. The Dallas team of last year, the Florida team this year, the teams of lacrosse that we've seen come back and scored like, you know, I think Duke uh, scored nine goals straight in one of those uh, conference games against or one of those national games against Syracuse. Those kind of games where it just seems like once they get a couple the whole tide turns. What is the, what is the art of that? What do you really need in your team to make those comebacks? It's just, I think it's just a depth, like a total buy-in from the whole team that they're still in it no matter what. And I think that starts from the coaching down, obviously, um, you know, the, the whole organization. But I just think, especially when they've had these games and they believe in themselves, it's, it's always the teams that are like just getting these comebacks. Like you said, the stars of last year, like the teams that know they can come back and they've done it before, and especially like when they have someone like Bobrovsky in that, who's going to give up, you know, if he gives up a few goals, he's going to stop the rest. And that, you know, they got like really good two-way guys, Huberdo and Hornquist, like that are going to kind of just really grit their teeth and no matter what. And then, I mean, that's what the cool part about hockey is why we love it. It's because you're never out of the game really, What you know, unless there's an absolute blowout, but you know, two, three goals is not unreasonable. How many times do you... <laughs> we say that like oh two goal lead you know the worst lead in hockey it's because the momentum is it's like unlike any other sport so i think it's a buy-in top to bottom i think it's being able to do it all year long and then having guys that can bear down and, and do it so yeah we've seen we've actually seen some four goal comebacks this season as well so it's really not limited um you know it depends on how the game's going but it it's also timing to me like if you if you can get a goal, a big key is getting a goal back as soon as you can after you go down big. So if you go down four nothing in the first period and you don't score till the middle of the third, you're probably not going to come back from that. 
but you go down big in the second and all of a sudden it's four nothing and then you score two minutes before the second ends now you got a little bit of momentum now it's a three goal third period ties the game um so timing is huge and i think as much as i hate to say this word swag is something else that you need to have you need to, <laughs> you need to have that that confidence and believe that guys we get one goal we're gonna have them on their heels and that's a belief that some teams just don't have like you look at teams that struggled in the in the bubble last year um you know that were able to, weren't able to make that happen um teams that we thought would you know the bruins were a team that we thought had that that kind of confidence and they were they struggled when they went down and some teams looked like they were already ready to go home and see their families in the bubble which is understandable and some teams were there for the long haul um and so it's interesting to see how a team can find their way back from a game but I would say favorite games to watch favorite games to be a part of are the comeback games. Like if I'm remembering games in my career, it's like, Oh, remember when we were down four in the third, we came back and tied it. It was crazy. Like you don't think of the game. Remember we won nine, nothing. And we had our, our four string goalie in like that. That's not the games you remember. You remember the, you know, the, the games where it was momentum back and forth, the big comebacks. That's why the winter classic last year was such an incredible game for the stars. Like if they just win that game four to two, regularly it's not the same memory but the the big comebacks are so exciting to be a part of so very fun um, <laughs> what i just like the audience to know that sam says that but then the only time in our best one of our best comebacks playing college across we were against whittier this division three team and sam's on the sideline watching a stars game <laughs> <laughs> dude it was a big game it was right about the playoffs april i wasn't i wasn't a big lacrosse player in april i just usually had the the phone in my sock <laughs> watching the stars see if they made the playoffs but they won too so it's a big it was a big day for everybody um yeah, yeah so comebacks are fun though um so let's jump in last last topic on the nhl uh before we get into a little bit more on the stars big news this week hockey on espn is <laughs> wow and in a big way not just like we're gonna feature one game on ESPN once in a while, ESPN and Disney, what well, Disney owns ESPN, I believe now. So they signed a huge deal with the NHL. Um, the details were for that deal. Basically the Stanley cup final will be on ABC four of the seven years of the deal. Uh, most of the playoff games and 25 regular season games will be on ABC and ESPN exclusively, which means hopefully some Wednesday night hockey on ESPN, uh, which is the classic rivalry night that we used to have. Um, ESPN will also produce 75 games and put them on ESPN plus and Hulu for those subscribers, which is cool. I think there's already some games on ESPN plus, but they're actually, they're not produced by ESPN. They're their local feed. Um, so it'll be cool to see they'll have actual ESPN games, um, on ESPN plus. If you have that subscription, ESPN plus will also now be the home of what was NHL TV. Um, I don't, they haven't released the details on whether that would be an extra cost knowing things in the streaming world. It probably will be. Um, hopefully not because ESPN plus is much cheaper than NHL TV. Um, so it'd be nice to have, have that all exclusive, but it'll be cool now because now you can just, you can watch hockey so many ways and so many people can watch it. I mean, a, a younger fan who doesn't watch games because it's hard to watch games nowadays. If you, even when you have NBC and NBC sports, it's like you're blacked out in the market or you're, you're, uh, Fios doesn't cover it or whatever. There's so many different, you know, nuances on how to get into and watch the games. Now it's going to be straight up 
if you have cable or you have ESPN, it's on that. If you don't, you can watch it on Hulu. You can get it on your ESPN Plus. You can get it on ABC streaming. So it's just going to be very cool to have that, you know, all those those um, options for people to watch. So give me your favorite ESPN hockey moment, though. Uh, you know, we got there's so many dating back. So what are, what are some that you remember from from the days of ESPN hockey? I think I just that song every time. And then you can't go wrong with Barry Melrose. You know, there's, I think he's been there. Now you can. Downs and we've all been. <laughs> yeah, you can. I think Barry was on in the crease for like a week before they realized that he was telling everyone the score of the game in the middle of the highlights before they even finished the game. And they were like, all right, Barry, get out of here. <laughs> it's just the love of the game, man. Love of the game. Yeah. We'll see. I, I agree with you. I think it's so cool that it's, so much more accessible. And I think it's really good for the growth of the game. When you, when you got someone like Stephen A. Smith covering, you know, on the ESPN kind of format, talking about hockey, I think it really brings more to the game. So hopefully it's just a lot more growth, but pretty excited to see what comes of that. I definitely, I, oh man, just that song. Like we said, we're going to say it all the time, but yeah, or just, you know, the old NHL video games and then featuring ESPN. And it was That's what I was just thinking of uh, the, uh, the 2k it was the NHL, mm-hmm. like 2k fives in those games. Uh, I think Marty Turco was on the cover of one of them. And I, the games were always worse. There used to be a split. Yeah. Like there, I think there still is an NBA. I think there's still NBA and NBA 2K or whatever. Um, NHL yeah. got rid of that, I think like 2008 era when they just went straight to the NHL franchise. But there was a split and it was always like battling each one. 2K was never as good. But they had the song. Uh-huh. They had Barry Melrose as the announcer. And they had the ESPN scoreboard. <laughs> and people would buy that game just for that. Even though the game wasn't yeah. as good, the graphics weren't as good. So... Yeah, it's a classic. Hopefully, maybe they'll come out with something like, or maybe the NHL next year will just have the ESPN announcers or something in some of the games. Like, there's so many things yeah. that, you know, for us, uh, you know, anyone around our age, it'll be just a, a 90s, you know, reminder every time. And don't forget, the Dallas Stars won the Stanley Cup on ESPN in triple overtime. <laughs> so that is a, maybe next year it'll be a, a little bit of a, a repeat when we get ESPN. But super excited for that. And it, the biggest thing for, is the growth. The streaming world we're in now, uh, finally the NHL came to terms with it and put out their own plan for it. So it'll be cool to see, you know, the growth with younger audiences watching hockey. Maybe they'll do like like uh, Disney or Nickelodeon did with the wild card of the NFL when they had like slime and stuff oh going on in the God. background. <laughs> I certainly hope yeah. not, but maybe they'll do some kind of kids type streaming for hockey, Stanley Cup or something. But SpongeBob celebrating. and then, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got people like twerking in the end zone and SpongeBob dancing. Um but so good times coming for the NHL. So let's jump into our last topic here. The stars, man, I exhale. Um, they're running out of time and there's a, there's a point. I just wrote an article about exactly this. And there's a point where a team goes from a good team playing poorly to just a mediocre team. And the stars firmly believe that they are a good team waiting to break out. And it looked like they did. They talked, Every interview with Rick Bonus or the players was, we got to keep doing what we're doing. You look at the stats, and it's crazy. They would outchance teams like 20 to 10, five on five, but then they give up two power play goals and lose the game two to one. Or the Blackhawks game last week, they were they outshot them like 36 to 11 and lost four to two. It's it's unreal. They just seem to find a way to lose every game uh, in a different different way to do it, you know, and then, then they finally break out and they score 15 goals in three games. And it looks like, Oh my God, here we go. They're scoring goals. Everything's going great. And they lose two in a row. And then Dennis Gurionov gets off a 16 game scoreless streak. And you're like, all right, look out now. They got all the boys going and then they lose the game in overtime, giving up another late goal. And what do I just feel like 
the questions are stacking up. You know, they have a lot of time left. They still have like 40 games left because they're behind everybody else. But what do they have to do? And when do they reach the point where they're not going to have enough time to come back and, and catch the, the fourth place seed and make the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're still 11 points behind the fourth place seed at this point. And they passed the Red Wings, Sam. Passed the Red Wings. <laughs> so it's looking up. But I think I think they just need to get more out of their big guys. You know, Pavelski stepped up. He's having an amazing year at 24 points at this point. But, you know, not having Sagan in the lineup hurts. And I think having him come back in a month, um, hopefully in less than a month, you know, him and Bishop coming back really could give them the boost they need. But, you know, getting a little bit more out of Ben and, and, uh, and you know, Radulov is going to be healthy coming forward, I think. So really kind of more heart and soul guys, like, coming back into the lineup. And then I hopefully they can get a little more out of Miro Haskinen. You know, he's only got... 13 points he's not scoring as much as he usually does uh he's minus three you know he's this this kind of top guys like Klingberg's really putting out but I just think they need to get a little bit more on the back end from Haskinen um obviously I think Kudobin and, and Ottinger are playing excellently um you know as much as you can expect from them given the kind of the way that the stars have kind of struggled to break out sometimes and so I, I hopefully I think getting the energy guys back and then a little bit more contribution from their top guys but We'll see, you know, it's, it's, I, you know, you hope the best for them, especially after the season they had last year. And I think the division they're in, they're not too far out, but we'll see. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if they, if everyone finishes their games, um, cause points is a much different standings right now than win percentage. So they're not in the fourth spot either way, but their win percentage is a whole lot closer than the, than the points are. So, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be a, a kind of a question to see if everyone finishes those 56 games or if they jump to a win percentage, the postponements seem to be dropping though. I think we've only had a couple in the last couple of weeks. So hopefully it's on, it's trending up. And I, I do as much as it might help the stars a bit for people not to finish. I do hope they do because I don't want to see any more of this affecting the season. Um, and yeah. the closer we can get to normalcy, the more we'd be able to play a regular playoff with each home arena and everything. So, um, I do hope to see that, but you you made great points. Miro actually finally is starting to play well. He scored his first goal, and it was like the a world of monkeys came off his back. He he looked like <laughs> a completely different player. He says he doesn't think about it. Gurionov says he doesn't think about it, but you think about it, hundred percent. You you grip the stick a little harder. You're not you're not as free. All of a sudden, Gurionov wasn't breaking away. Miro wasn't going coast to coast. You know that's just you can see it now. Miro's taking over games. Um, his scoring starting to tick up a little bit. So. Big time for their big players. Radulov, um, I, the game just started now for the Stars. I don't know if he's in or not. He was a, a game-time decision, but he's missed a month. And he not only does he bring the scoring, but he brings energy. And that his energy can drive a team all the way to what they So he might just be the spark uh, for them. Rope Hints is, finally, is scoring, but he's in and out of the lineup every other game. Um, so Sagan and Bishop will be big coming back. You just hope it's not too late when they come back because... You know, you, they have to stay. They have to get themselves close enough to when they come back for it to be meaningful. Because otherwise, they're going to run out of run out of time, and they're not going to be able to make a comeback even with those guys. Um, and then you got the trade deadline coming up, which is interesting too to see if you know if the stars are not in the playoff spot if they sell a couple guys. Um, we'll get into that though, because there's some some crazy conversations about the trade deadline and the expansion draft and all that kind of stuff. But you hope to see it improve soon um hudobin and Ottinger, like you said they've been good you're not expecting them to be perfect hudobin's gonna have a bad night every once in a while he's a backup goalie as much as he's he's done really well he's a backup Ottinger's a 22 year old rookie so he's gonna have some tough nights too um so with but um the great news for the stars is that their young guys are starting to really show their form 
Um, Jason Robertson is, is a rookie as well, who was so highly excited or people were so excited about him because he's such a skilled, pure scorer. Um, and he just looked really, really rusty earlier in the year when he first got his chances, like most rookies do, you know, and then he sat out a couple games, really got the feel of the game. All of a sudden now he's making backhand saucer passes through two defenders. He's got an assist in almost every game over the last two weeks. Um, he's scoring some goals. Uh, Nick Commando's finally delivering the full two-way forward that they really thought he would be. Uh, all the young guys like Gurionov and Hintz, who you forget are are young. You know, you forget they're only 23 and 24 years old. Um, their young guys are are building out, which means, you know, let's say this year doesn't go perfectly, whether they make the playoffs or not. Next year coming back, as long as people are everyone comes back and they find a way to re-sign, you know, the the Klingbergs and Haskinens and um you know, can see if Udobin comes back from the draft and all, all the little question marks. It's exciting to see what the future holds and you they can find that magical combination of the future and the veterans that they have right now and, and find that window to win. But they're running out of time, man. They need, to, they need to start winning right now and they have some games against teams they're chasing and they really, really need to start winning those games. So um, it'll be interesting, interesting to see, though, what happens with the boys. So let's jump into the final topic here. My favorite new segment Rapid fire questions oh for Warren. Um, so the t- today we have again fifteen questions or fourteen. I don't know. I, I can't count. Um, <laughs> as we know the rules, don't think, just answer. Um, if you answer something I don't like, I'm going to hang up on you, and you'll be booted from the podcast forever. No pressure though. Are you ready? Yeah. I need verbal. Okay, verbal confirmation. He's ready. We're ready. So, We're ready here. Warren Nielsen. Devils or Rangers? Oh, Rangers. MSG. Great environment. Positive N- sucks. Yeah. N- NHL 2000 or NHL 2014? Oh, 2014. That's when they added all the dangle stuff. Got to go with 2014. It's also when we won the cup with the Senators. So shout out. Yeah, that's true. Go. Goosebumps or are you afraid of the dark? Uh, goosebumps. Such a classic. Arl Stein, great author. Who could miss the playoffs this year? Tampa Bay or Vegas? Maybe, maybe Vegas, but that's so hard. <laughs> All right. If you're, if you're going to go on a Canadian trip for a week in the winter, Montreal or Toronto? Toronto museum. I don't know enough French to go to Montreal. Good call. Lacrosse or hockey? Hockey. Sorry. I'm going to ask us. I'm going to ask a follow-up watching lacrosse or hockey versus playing lacrosse or hockey is the answer. Oh, you got to play it. Jump in the game. Oh, oh yeah. Same answer. Same answer. Okay. Better pure scorer. Austin Matthews, Alexander Ovechkin. Got to go with Ovi. I don't know. All right. Sorry. Another another, uh, horror question. Jason or Michael Myers? Oh, God. Michael Myers. Can't kill the guy. Either way, nightmares for life for you. As long as you can look up, as long as you can look up the plot, you're you're good. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to sleep tonight. (laughs) Will the Kraken make the playoffs next year? Yes or no? Hundred percent. Seattle, best hockey city in America next year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who is the best player on the 1980 U.S. team? Oh man, Mark Johnson. He is an unreal player. Yeah, agreed. Who wins the gold in the Olympics in 2022? U.S., Canada, Russia, or Finland? Russia. They got Bobrovsky in net. 
Who wins they're silver? Gonna, they're going to win it. Ooh, I'm going to say uh, USA. Like that. Austin Matthews is going to bury three in the final. <laughs> All right, last question. Who was the better President's Trophy team, the 2016 Capitals or the 2018 Lightning? Oh, oh the Lightning. I mean, Tyler Johnson was unreal. Kucherov coming into his form, I think, I think at that time, is the Lightning. They're more fun to watch, too. So, fun fact about the, those two teams. First of all, Kucherov had 128 points. The Lightning had 128 points. So, he had he had a point yeah. per team point, which I don't know if that's happened before. Um, the Capitals had 118 points, so the Lightning did have more points. However, the Capitals actually won their first round series and then lost in Game 7 of the second round to who else? The Sidney Crosby and the Penguins, while the Lightning got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round, which was... One of the biggest upsets in history. Um, but I agree, that Lightning team, I think that Lightning team could beat anybody in history <laughs> that season. I think you put the Lightning Probably. against those old Oilers teams with uh, with Gretzky, and it would be a, a battle, of an, a 9-8 battle um, to the death. So, all right, man, this was fun. Good matchup. This was a good time. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining. Next week, we'll jump into some uh, college hockey stuff again. We'll do some, some Frozen Four predictions, and then we're going to start into some draft uh, trade deadline and things like that, which is getting real dicey because this year is even more interesting than others. So thank you guys for watching or listening. Cause I'm, you're not watching, but thank you for listening <laughs> to the slap shot. Sammy podcast, Warren, great time as always. Thank you so much for being here. Hope you had a good time. Always a pleasure. I got some rapid fire questions queued up for you in the future. So just be wait. Good. I'm excited. Can't wait to be on the spot. Everybody, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week on the Slapshot Sammy podcast. Peace.